Welcome to Livelihood, providing tactical and practical tips for women who work. I'm Britt Larson, your host. Welcome to Livelihood, practical and tactical tips for the working woman. I am so excited to be having my dear friend Camille on this episode. She is an amazing woman who I have worked with, and I am just honored that she's talking about such an important topic today. Welcome, Camille. Thanks for having me. Camille is an amazing advocate for women dealing with infertility and started the Utah Infertility Resource Center and is very modest about her background. So I'm going to ask her to share about her career journey, but I may have to add to it. Camille, please share with us how you came to start the Utah Infertility Research Center and what led you there. So my personal and professional lives have crossed paths many times. And I became a licensed clinical social worker got my master's degree in social work from the University of Utah. And I went on to meet with families in an outpatient setting. I had previously worked on the OB floor at a local hospital. And I started struggling with infertility personally. And it was awful. It was just the most horrendous experience that you could imagine And after a couple years and an IVF, a miscarriage, I was destroyed. My husband was destroyed. And I started kind of grasping for air, looking for other people out there and professionals or groups that I could get support from. And it was really hard to find. I found a few individuals in a very small online community that were local. And I found one therapist who specialized in infertility, but I didn't see any support groups. So I started a support group in my living room in March of 2014. Wow. That eventually led to the creation of a nonprofit organization. And now we are... We formalized in fall of 2015, so we're four years out from that formalized creation, five years out from kind of the start, and Utah Infertility Resource Center now serves thousands of people through counseling, support groups across the state, their annual infertility conference and a myriad of other services to provide support and education to those who are struggling with family building. You are so incredible. (laughs) (laughs) And I love how modest you are about this whole thing because you started this thing from scratch in the way that you describe it. You definitely don't make the journey that led you to creating it sound easy, but you do make the actual creation of it sound pretty straightforward. And I'm guessing that it wasn't. There were about six months that were just pretty intense. And I knew just based on my 
personality and my nervous system, I knew what I, I knew my limits and I knew I needed help. I knew I needed to build a team. And so that's what I did. And I built a team of four other women who had all struggled with infertility personally. And we worked our tails off for the next six months. And then we launched all of our services and it was, it was fabulous. And, um, yes, I, I worked hard, but I honestly, like I couldn't have done it without these other strong women. I think we were a powerhouse of a team and, um, you know, none of us had real experience with doing this before starting a nonprofit, um, you know, everything we were just, okay, we don't know how to do this, but we're just going to figure it out. And we did that. So, um, about a year ago, I decided that it was time for me to step down as the executive director. I knew that, um, at some point that, or the hope was that at some point the organization would outgrow me. That would mean that it was successful. And so last year it was feeling like it was time. And so we hired a executive director and things are going really well. I now am able to focus on the counseling piece, which is a lot of fun for me and it's my passion and I'm also serve on the board so I can help guide some of the decisions. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. There's a couple of things I just want to highlight. I think it's amazing that you took this really difficult thing that happened to you and turned it not only into something amazing that is helping so many other women. I mean, I just saw you guys have billboards now up and down the main highway here in Utah. It's amazing. So much exposure and just a lot of really amazing things happening between your gala, your outreach, the support groups, the counseling, but you've turned it into a career path, which I just think is phenomenal that you are giving back, but it's also fulfilling you. And I just think that is really an amazing transformation to go from something. I mean, you said you were gasping for air and it was a paralyzing, horrible thing that, that happened that you've now turned into this amazing, joyful thing that is helping other women and helping you every day. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I, I, as I mentioned to a colleague yesterday, I don't think there's anything more powerful than having someone has, who is experiencing or has experienced something similar and can understand and can relate because some of the heartaches of life are so unique. And uh, it, of course, you know, you can have somebody who's a good listener and somebody who's empathetic and really great. But if you can sit across from somebody at a support group and you can understand there's this kind of intangible thing where you can, your heart sort of connect and your heart sort of relate. 
and then people are able to like relax and feel supported and and feel carried and not so isolated because that's what infertility does to people is for the most part it pushes them into a pretty dark place of isolation so that connection is crucial I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, in a totally different way, that's why I started Livelihood because I felt similar to you, but different, (laughs) that I couldn't find the community that I needed and wanted of working women where I could commiserate, where I could learn, um, frankly, that I could be positive with because there was just so much negativity about this topic. And there's a lot of negativity, obviously, surrounding fertility issues. So I love that you said, okay, well, I'm just going to create it myself because I can't find it. And I I can relate to that on a much, I think livelihood is a much smaller scale and helping people in a, in a different way. But, um, I just really admire how you took this hard thing and, and made it work for other people. So today we wanted to talk about Uh, women going through fertility struggles and how they're dealing with that at work and how to manage that. Um, You know, why, why has it been important for you? You've talked about your own journey, um, but why do you want to give back? Why do you want to help women going through these struggles? That's a good question. And before I even began helping women and couples with their infertility struggles, I knew I wanted to be a therapist. I knew I wanted to be a social worker. And I actually went into the more of the medical field and sort of was sidetracked out of the medical field into medical social work. And I just think it's so powerful to help people during their most vulnerable times. And I think that those are important human needs that we have just as much as we need food and water and shelter and safety. We need that emotional and mental safety to be able to move forward with the things that we are dealing with. So it's always kind of been, I would say, even since I was a teenager, part of, okay, this is what I want to do. And as I struggled with infertility myself, it really became more of a, okay, here is a need that's not being met, and I need to fill that. And so for me, it's, I want you know, I know how difficult the infertility journey is and associated issues. And if there aren't therapists there or if there aren't support groups, like I am dedicated to filling that gap and and making that happen. So that's why that's so important to me. To be honest, if there wasn't the need, I might relax a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) And I might sit back a little bit, but I have this strong desire to fill that need. And I think with Utah Infertility Resource Center and some of the systems that we have created, that is now happening more. So that's why I'm able to sit back a little bit more. So getting people's needs met, that is why it's important to me. 
I love that you shared that. So we talked before whether or not I was going to talk about my own journey, but I just feel really strongly that I have to share this, this part of it. So I recently found out that I would need to go undergo fertility treatments and just that immediate kind of fallout from finding out about that is very difficult. It's like finding out about having, I don't know, I'm telling you this Camille, but it's, it's for the good of the listeners. If you don't have these types of issues, um, it's like finding out about having a, a terminal disease or something like that. It's, it's earth shattering. Right. And the two things that immediately happened that helped sustain me were that I was added by a friend of a friend to the Facebook group that you created as part of the Utah Infertility Resource Center. And it was crazy that as I started to share a little bit more with friends and family, that was the first thing that came up. Oh, you have to join this Facebook group. It's going to help you so much. And it has. It's been so wonderful just to be able to commiserate, to be a part of it, to see the the um, support groups that you're setting up and just the system of support that you've created for women in this state. It's it's absolutely incredible. And then just the actual physical being able to go and meet with someone like you to talk through all the resources and the questions and the things that happened and immediately brought me peace and helped me focus on the other things in my life, like my job. I am sad that you didn't have that, but I am just so thankful that you created this resource for women like me because I didn't have to wait months to talk to someone about it. I didn't have to search it out because it was almost immediately after I found out it was one of the second or third people that I told said, Oh, you gotta, you gotta look into Utah infertility resource center. So thank you. So what tips do you have for women who may be undergoing fertility treatments and dealing with working, it seems like this is becoming a more common problem. And I am curious about your thoughts on this too. Maybe a separate question. If people are just getting more open about it, or if it actually is becoming a more common issue. Um, but it seems like workplaces are becoming more open about this, but you know, what should women do if they're faced with having to go through these issues? Yeah. Well, let me start with your second question first. Um, is, is infertility more common or, you know, are these issues more common or are people just more open? The research is conflicting, <laughs> just like everything, right? So um, <laughs> some aspects of research say no, infertility rates are the same as they've always been, people are just more open about it. And in other cases, there are studies that show no infertility rates are increasing, and that is likely due to our environment. And so it's hard to say. But one thing that we do know is that women, the age that women start having children is later than it used to be. And so the biological time clock (laughs) hasn't really adjusted Uh. to, to our culture, unfortunately. So that is one factor. 
that we that we see sometimes people are um, focusing on their career and their I mean so many people I mean I grew up and my my parents told me like you can go to medical school and you can you can you know have kids later and and I I thought that was true you know and the reality was that I couldn't have kids in my 20s you know so it's it's the the reality is that you don't know you don't know what your future is going to be and so it's really hard to plan when you're thinking about family building and when it's important for you to put time and effort and energy into your career and your job. There's no way to see the future. Some people are going to get lucky and they are going to be able to get pregnant you know, whenever they want. Some people, doesn't matter their age, um, they're not going to be able to get pregnant. And some people, the, the older that they get, the, the, the less likely they will be to get pregnant. And that kind of is, you know, aligned with kind of the general biological clock of everybody. So I just want to acknowledge first and foremost that there's no right or wrong way to, to do it when you're planning to have a family and have a career, but just know that there are unknowns and there's no way for people to predict. Um, we can't, you can't know that you'll get pregnant or that you'll struggle with infertility, you know, most of the time. Even, even if you get a workup done at the doctor, they can tell you, oh, this is what it's looking like your egg reserve is. Oh, this is what it's looking like. You know, but at the end of the day, they, we just oh, don't. It's fun to be a woman. <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. So, you know, hopefully that can help people to know that, all right, you just got to do the best that you can yep. <laughs> and don't stress too much over it um, because, you know, whatever's going to come is going to come either way. In terms of navigating fertility treatments or just the stress of infertility with work, there are a few things to look at. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. So some things may apply and some things might not apply or might feel harder. But some questions to ask yourself. So we know based on research that a diagnosis of infertility is as stressful and as life-changing as a cancer diagnosis. And so if you look that's what I was trying to say yeah. earlier. And so if you look at somebody who has a cancer diagnosis and then they're starting to go treatment, go through treatments, what do we expect from them in terms of their job and their career? It's like, oh wow, like right. <laughs> they need to we need to give them a big break and we need to lighten their load. And so that they have the time and the energy to focus on some of these other things. So I would say that is applicable with fertility treatments, looking at, okay, this is likely going to be very stressful. This is likely 
a massive piece of grief and loss that's kind of invisible to the outside world that you're dealing with. And so that's taking up a lot of mental, emotional, and physical energy. So are you able to lighten your load a little bit? And are you able to take a little bit of time? The reality of treatments is that you have to go into the doctor's office. So sometimes missing work is a reality. And okay, your employer's going to start noticing. So figuring out how do I navigate this with my employer? Looking at, okay, how, how has my employer been with other people when they have gone through hard things? Um, what is the nature of my job? Um, are there other people who can step up? Um, do I have the flexibility? Uh, do I have a strong um, relationship with my boss? How comfortable would I be to share some of these things? You could, you don't know how they're going to respond, just like the crystal ball. So it's always kind of a guessing game, which is hard. But sometimes people can be really surprised when they share with their employer what they're going through and the specifics of why. Then their employer understands, oh, wow, I understand why you're gone and why you need to attend to these things, that it's not that you're slacking. It's not that, um, that you're you know, wanting to avoid work right now. And so that is one option um, if you feel like that would be, um, if it would be yeah. a likely, you know, if, if your boss would respond in a supportive way. Sometimes there's kind of that, that fear that's like, okay, I kind of feel stuck. I don't feel like I can talk to my boss. I don't feel like I can, but I don't feel like I can slow down. I kind of feel stuck. That's a lot of times when we start seeing people burn out because at some point they get, and it depends on their infertility journey, right? Let's say you, you do an yeah. IUI and you get pregnant. Lucky you. Great, right? <laughs> like, fabulous. Yeah. Lucky you, but that doesn't happen to everybody. So, um, so, you know, what, what can you do? And, and if you are on this, journey for a while looking at okay what can I do so that I don't burn out and sometimes it's not realistic to talk to your boss sometimes it's not realistic to reduce your load but if you can't share some of those things at work do you have a safe supportive space somewhere else that you can that you can kind of let your guard down and let things out with either a support group or a counselor or a friend or a family member that you feel really safe with, um, your partner. The more people that you have in your life that you don't have to like hide this secret from kind of, the less energy that is needing to go like trying to hold it together. And that takes a lot of work, like trying to hold it together. So those are just a few ideas. Again, it's not going to be one size fits all, but just a few things to ask yourself if you're in this situation. 
I'm so glad you talked about it this way. And unfortunately, like we talked about before we started recording and you and I have talked about in the past, there's no one size fits all perfect path to solve fertility problems. And if there were, life would be a lot easier. And I think that it's really amazing. And I'm so glad that so many more women are opening up about this, that companies are starting to recognize that fertility treatments being covered by healthcare plans and things like that, I think will be the way of the future. I definitely don't think we're there. I mean, there's still lots of places where good maternity leave isn't even an option. (laughs) So we have a ways to go, but I do think just the fact that we're having these conversations is so important. Um, When I was undergoing my treatments, I told my boss at the time that I had some health stuff going on because I didn't feel comfortable telling them I was the only female in any kind of leadership position at my company. They had already made inappropriate comments asking me when I was going to have kids. And I knew that it would just feel very elective to them. And looking back, not that I wish I had quit my job sooner or anything like that, but I'm really glad I don't work somewhere where I didn't feel comfortable sharing something so big with the people that I work with and for, and frankly made a lot of money for. So I can totally relate to this thought of it's not going to work. Me, me sharing this is not going to be smart. And so I know, and I know when talking to other friends who've been in this position, they have felt the same way. I know in other cases, especially my friends who had female bosses, they've completely opened up to their bosses and it's been awesome. Just great reception. They've treated it like the real problem that it is and given people the time that they need and treated their employees like humans. It's amazing. What a concept. So I think like anything, you have to kind of calculate the risk and figure out what's right. I love that you said, think about what's happened to other people, you know, that you've seen who have gone through maybe a life-changing health diagnosis or something like that. Those were the things that I had seen that ultimately led me not to to bring it up. But it also led me to not want to work there anymore. <laughs> and I'm so glad I don't. So it's hard. I think just accepting mm-hmm. how big it is too is is hugely important. Yeah. Yeah. And I think with infertility, it becomes like all consuming for people. Like it's never not on their mind. And so if you're working, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, wherever, um, you, it's really hard to like not allow yourself to be you and, if you're kind of keeping your infertility in the closet, as sometimes (laughs) we call it, it's like, (laughs) it's like a lot of effort to, to hold that together. Whereas if you could just be you with your boss and your, and, and your fellow employees, then you would likely feel a lot more supported at work. But it's complicated. And so you're right. You have to calculate the risk. You have to look at, okay, what are your goals? Sometimes people can take a little bit more of a risk. And, you know, if things don't work out with their job, they, they make a change. Um, some people don't feel like they can do that and that's okay. Just make sure that you find 
other areas that you can get the support that you need because it might take a little bit more time and a little bit more energy to hold it together while you're at work and figure out how to continue working in a stressful environment without that support. For sure. And until you go through it, you don't know. I mean, I was really glad that I had a few things in place, but just like anything hard, you don't really know how you're going to react to it. So one that I had while you were going through these questions, Camille, is that a lot of people listening to this won't have fertility issues themselves, but likely know someone, or maybe they have a coworker who's opened up or a friend about their own fertility issues and they don't know what to do. And I've had a lot of friends ask me about this and, you know, they don't know how to respond. And the biggest thing that I've said, just like anything hard in anyone's life, just check in on people. That's, that's my advice. If someone has opened up to you and been real with you about what's going on in their life, just check in on them. You're not going to ever know the perfect thing to say. There's not often a perfect thing to say. I'm curious what your answer is to that, to people who aren't going through it themselves, how they can support others. Yeah, that's a great question. And we always want to know what to say because we want to help, not harm. And we know that people are sensitive and so we don't want to say the wrong thing. One thing that is more important than words is that human presence and that heart-to-heart connection. And that is stronger. And just like you said, checking in on people, it doesn't mean checking in on how are your treatments, tell me what what's going on, tell me, you know, if you're pregnant or not, but just checking in and say, hey, you know, I care about you and I, I want to know how you're doing. And if they want to share details, they can. But providing working toward providing that safe place so that if they do want to open up, they can and they feel safe with you. Uh, Sometimes honoring silence, meaning that, okay, I don't have to say something profound. I don't have to make it all better. I can say, wow, you're going through a lot. I really care about you. I love you my heart is with you. And that means a lot to people. I mean, we've all been in those situations where a friend's mother dies or something horrible happens to them at work and you just don't know what to say. And this is no different, but for whatever reason, it just feels even more private. But like you said, because of that, it is extremely isolating. And so the thing that I would say is if you have a coworker, a friend, a family member who is struggling with this and they've opened up to you, just the fact that they've opened up to you means that they're willing to have you check in on them. And like you said, have that human connection. I think that's really important that it's not about the right words. I'm really glad you reminded me of that because I often get paralyzed all the time. I don't know what to say to people who are going through hard things. And I actually did one of my first episodes was about grief in the workplace. And we talked about this very thing that not showing up is so much worse than just showing up and saying something maybe a little awkward. You just showing up and trying to be there is really valuable. So what kind of closing thoughts do you have, Camille, about 
this topic. Do you have anything else you want to add? You've given us so many good kind of introspective things to think about. If we ourselves are going through fertility issues, how to help others, what to think about with the impact it's going to have on our workplace. What did we miss? This is such a multifaceted topic. There's a lot. One other thought that I'd like to share is that um, a lot of times the clients that I work with, because infertility is so consuming, they get in their mind that once they get that positive pregnancy test, that all of the stress and all of the anxiety will go away. And the reality is that it doesn't for a lot of people. And um, pregnancy after infertility and parenting after infertility can be difficult because you have a new sort of view on life. And I was in one of our pregnancy and parenting after infertility support groups a few years ago, and I asked everybody in the group um, about their infertility journey and if it was the hardest thing that they had gone through, and everybody said yes, Mm -hmm. and then um, if they would change it. And all of them said, no, it was the hardest thing I went through, but I would not change it. And even though, even though it was, it would, you know, it continued to, they they saw the world differently, you know, they're like, okay, well, I can't just go get pregnant like everybody else. Or, you know, I'm maybe a little bit extra controlling around like how, you know, people help me with my baby because I don't want to let them go. You know, there's sometimes a few little, um, extra layers there, but at the end of the day, all of them in that room said they would not change it and that they were grateful for their experience. And I think when you're in it, there's no way that you can feel that because it's so awful and it's so hard. But I think if you can remember that other people have felt that way, then that gives you hope that um, one day you will likely find meaning and find that joy, find that resolution, and you will be happy. I love that. And you've also taught me that it's so important to find, try, emphasis on try, to find joy in the moment too. And that's really hard when you're giving yourself shots or you're going through the shock of realizing that, like you said, you may not get pregnant the way that you thought you were going to. And for most women, this is a huge part of their future plans. Um, I forget what you call it, Camille, the fertility, the reproductive, reproductive story. story. Thank you. A lot of us have this idea of how our lives are going to play out. And I think for me, it was so difficult and still is figuring out how this all fits in with my career and constantly reprioritizing. But it's really no different than any other big problem. You know, you have to figure out what's most important to you and try and find joy in the day to day, even though you have a big, hard thing that you're going through. So thank you for that reminder. It's, It's really important. Yeah, at the end of the day, all humans want to feel good in their bodies. And that is essentially the most foundational thing is that we want to feel good. And that's, you know, why we're working toward having children and 
Um, so we want to see if we can't implement some of that in the now and try and find some of some some joy in little things like a delicious strawberry or the beautiful leaves changing <laughs> or whatever, even if it's just the tiniest of things. Can we allow ourselves to enjoy some of those things for a few moments of positive brain chemicals? I love it. Thank you so much. You've taught me so much today and I'm sure so many women who are going to listen to this episode are going to want to learn more from you and about the resources that you provide. Will you just give a little plug about how they can learn more about working with you and the Utah Infertility Resource Center? And I'm curious if you're out of state, what resources you guys have? So for... Utah Infertility Resource Center, you're welcome to connect on uh, their website, utahinfertilityresourcecenter.org, and then also through Facebook and Instagram. They have an upcoming conference Saturday, October 26th at the Miller Conference Center in Sandy, and it's always a fabulous full day of information, resources, support, anything and everything that, that you're going to want and need. It's, it's fabulous. So I encourage anybody who's local to attend that if they're struggling with family building. And um, you can find me on their website under their counseling program. And then I also have a private practice um, and do a few other project type things you can find me at camillehawkins.com and then if you're out of state resolve has a number of resources and um, they do a lot of advocacy and a lot of support on the national level Um, they they do have support groups as well in other states and so they are a fabulous fabulous place to look um, for resources. So I would say resolve is going to be your go-to place if you're out of state. Thank you so much. This has been so wonderful. I think it's just so important to keep this topic open, keep women talking about it, those who struggle and those who do not, so that we can all just be there for each other and make our workplaces, our communities more understanding. So thank you so much, Camille. I'm so glad you were able to join me. Thanks for having me. It's been fun to chat. And I obviously love sharing and advocating for more information and resources and just awareness for the struggle of infertility and uh, family building. So thanks for the opportunity to share my thoughts. Thank you for listening to Livelihood. Please share this episode with your friends and be sure to follow Livelihood on Instagram and join the Livelihood community group on Facebook. You can always find more info and episodes on livelihoodwithaway.com.